many memories have come flooding back. I put this song on repeat, just crying my eyes out. It made me feel so bloody alive. This song really nails the feeling of nostalgia for a place. And we all just stopped talking and just stared at the radio. Like, what is that? It's part of the noble genre of songs by women about masturbation. I love it. I love that song so much. Box. Meet people through their music with Ash Berdebez on FBI. My guest on Out of the Box today is Zinzi Okenyo, and some of her fans saw her play a set before Earthboy mid last week at Oxford Art Factory. Her other fans have only recently learnt to walk. Welcome and out of the box, Inzi. Hi. Thanks for having me. <laughs> so I guess we should probably clarify that. Who who are you when you're Zinzi and who are you when you're Okenyo? Um, well, when I'm Zinzi, that's the majority of the time. Um, but I suppose in terms of what you were talking about, um, Zinzi is uh, how I'm referred to on Play School. I'm a presenter on ABC's children's program, Play School. So that's that's the people that can't that are just learning to walk, <laughs> um, and uh, yeah. So it's pretty. It's like two completely different worlds. Actually, during tour, I was um, yeah off off doing shows in Melbourne and, and Hobart, and then um, kind of deep in the hip hop world, and then straight back into ABC Studios and singing nursery rhymes. So it's it's pretty. <laughs> yeah, it's a it's a good versatile life. I kind of wonder whether there's like you know you get moments when you're like doing live banter and you're like you know everybody put your hands up and you're like. Everybody, can you clap along to this? Actually, I did have a really funny moment where at the end of the show, Earth Boys show, everyone's on stage and um, we sing um, Meg Max, Roll Up Your Sleeves. And um, at the end, he thanks everyone individually. And I, when he was like, and thank you, Okenyo. And I stepped forward and I, without even knowing it, I did my like, Play school wave, like a really nice wave. Just like um, head slightly yeah. cocked, very benign smile. After just like twerking and things like that, I was like, okay, I really need to work out like what my Okenyo wave is. Yeah. Because it can't be like, you know, focusing on five-year-olds. So I am a work in progress. Oh, that's great. <laughs> I, I like it. So you basically got the Zinzi, the Okenyo and Zinzi Okenyo. Yeah. We've got an hour together on Out of the Box and you've brought in a lot of great tracks for the show today. And I was thinking we might start with one of yours. So for your work as Okenyo. So which one do we have today? Um, we have just a story. Yeah. Ooh, I oh, I thought you were gonna play ten feet tall. Yeah, ten feet tall first. Wait, yeah. Which do you prefer? No, we'll have, we've got to play ten feet tall. Okay, good. That's that's my um that's my single at the moment. So I've been cranking both this morning. Okay, and I, cool. I can't really pick because I like both of them. No, well, yeah, me too. But no, let let's do let's do my single. That makes complete sense. Uh, ten feet tall. Uh, this is a song that I uh, wrote uh, with uh, Mario Sparta, who's bad cop, and um and with a little help from Tucker Perry as well. So um yeah, here's the track. Nice. Back to love Woke up from above She's a surefire quitter Swimming slowly through the mark Never gonna be the right time Always got your feelings on the line Always got your shoulders high Oh Every time she wants to see the stars She's looking but she can't see further Running low on a familiar high If it's not enough
is not enough. Leave this ten feet tall. tuned in to Out of the Box on FBI 94.5. My guest in the studio with me today is Zinzi Okenyo, and you just heard a track by Okenyo right there, and it was called 10 Feet Tall. Now, that's a new song of yours, isn't it? Mm-hmm. That's right. When are you launching it? Um, on July 6th, so pretty soon, at the Oxford Circus. Um, it is going to be at the moment I'm doing on, on this um, on this Earthboy tour I'm doing a solo show I usually work with a band but at the moment I'm doing a solo show so at the launch people are going to get a little taste of that you can get tickets through nicheproductions.com.au cool. and Oxford Circus is the new one on Oxford Street yeah yeah I think it used to be um, Ruby Rabbit I think huh, nice. yeah and so it's Good the it's it. the top it's the top um, top level of that building awesome yeah and uh, I was thinking we can move on to a song by Kira Peru next, but yes. I first wanted to ask you, because you've just recently, drumroll, been signed to Elephant Tracks, yeah. which is really exciting, because yeah. I, I feel like, you know, from the outside at least, it seems like it's a really good community to be a part of. Definitely. So what does it mean to you being signed to Elephant Tracks now? Um, it's It's been a really interesting journey, because I, I suppose I never would have n- thought that I would end up on... I mean, it's more than a hip hop label, but of course, it is one of you know Australia's pr- primary hip hop labels, and and um, but it just actually seemed quite natural. The way that it kind of happened was getting to know getting to know Tim Earthboy and um, writing Second Heartbeat with him, and then that kind of naturally progressed from there. And he's such an amazingly supportive person and an artist. He's such a generous guy, and um, so we got along really well. And then it 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 gave me a real taste for what the label was like and it's actually such a perfect fit and I'm getting yeah I'm just getting a real feel being on this tour just getting a feel for you know they always talked about having like a family vibe but it really is so true like everyone is so supportive of each other and that's what's amazing I didn't expect that of this tour like even though I'm a support it doesn't really feel like that at all it just feels like everyone is all in and that's really cool. That's really nice, especially because sometimes when you're on tour and you're you know, a, support, a supporting artist and then there's kind of like the major actors, like they don't really turn up until it's time for their set and sometimes it's yeah. really disjointed and you're just kind of like, I'm just kind of in this van and you're in that van. It doesn't really feel... Yeah, but it's literally family. like all of us, like from me to El Fresh's crew to all the Earthboy crew, like every time someone comes off stage, like everyone is just, you know, high fives and hugs and everything and it's so good. I just think it creates such a good sense of community and it makes you want to like as a new person on that label like it makes me want to work hard for that label which is I think really good yeah that's convenient yeah (laughs) it's convenient for everyone exactly those those family vibes are just like a cover for making you work hard yeah yeah totally which is kind of like family yeah (laughs) so we've got a track from Kira Baru called All Dulled Out now and why did you want to bring this song on um well I just met her recently because she she sings on um on Earthy's recent song Daughter of the Light and so she's been getting up doing that um, track on tour and uh, I just was every time she opens her mouth to sing it's just extraordinary it's that thing of like you know you meet someone and whatever and and then like you just can have no idea that that is going to come out of their body and she's just I think one of the most extraordinary singers um, in Australia right now and so that's why and a really lovely person that's why I wanted to play one of her tracks. Into my very skin, and it never goes 
What a voice. You are listening to FBI 94.5 Out of the Box as a program on your radio right now. I'm with Okenyo, Zinzi Okenyo, who brought on that track by Kira Peru, all dulled out. Whoa, what a voice. Whoa, what a voice. Exactly. Yes. I should have said that after your song as well. (laughs) (laughs) How dare you? No, please say that after Kira's song. (laughs) But I mean, you, you didn't train as a singer, did you? No, I um I've had an interesting journey in the way that um so uh, my main job is as a as an actor. I've done a lot of theatre and um and yeah, I just kind of my voice expanded just through doing shows and having to sing in different languages and different you know styles and whatever and and kind of learnt that way rather than um, having classes. But I mean, it was kind of to do with you know you learn you build your confidence that way as well. And so it's taken me a while to work out actually what my voice is my, like my singing voice when you're not singing in different languages yeah totally it was it was actually really strange as an actor because I'm like oh I could sing country or I could sing like you know blues or whatever because you know you kind of put on these characters but yeah it's, it took me a while to find out how I wanted to sing and what that sounded like so I actually want to kind of figure out when you started making music because this is a fairly recent thing for you right yeah I'm about like three years in of proper writing I suppose and or like proper giving it a go um so yeah the way that I started writing was um the the catalyst for it was a broken heart which is pretty quintessential for a lot of people (laughs) I'm very ashamed of that but look it's got me where I am so woohoo um but yeah so that that was the catalyst and it was basically that like I I decided I was living overseas and I'd broken up with my partner and I was it was my first love so it was just like really devastating could I ask you so why were you overseas in the first place you were in Belgium yeah so I was in Belgium and I, I was making a theatre produ- production with um, Sydney Theatre Company and a Belgian theatre company and so we went over there to make it so I so I think she broke up with me like a week before I left and so I was Ooh, just like rough. just so rough and, and did you get a good reason when when you guys broke up was it kind of like no. oh this is really easy to walk away from cause... no it was not easy at all and no reason so it was a huge shock and yeah first love and things like that and it just was I didn't know how to take it at all and so I was really just all over the place and in a country where um you know I didn't speak Dutch or anything and that's a pretty tough language and and uh so yeah I 
I was in a state where I was like, I can either just stay in bed and just be like lonely or I can channel this somewhere. And so I found an app um, on my iPad and I just started writing beats and loops and stuff and just started to channel my um, feelings that way. And I'm super glad I did it because... Um, yeah, that's, that was the beginning of actually, yeah, writing. So like my first thing was, um, my first song that I brought out was Broken Chess and that's essentially like about that time, about, um, about be, fe- feeling like you can't move forward. But then actually the interesting thing that happened was that like when I left, I, I kind of wrote, you know, in the state of like pure emotion and then, you know, listened to it and a lot of it was crap because it was just, you know, I was really <laughs> emotional. But then with time I started to unpack it and kind of go, oh, that's really good, that's terrible. And then um, so actually... So the editing, how far away does the editing need to be from the actual writing, especially when it's an emotional thing? Yeah, I reckon it was probably like I did that as a kind of catharsis thing and then I reckon like six months later... I was like, oh, I'll listen to these things. Long and enough to have forgotten the songs. <laughs> yeah, yeah, totally. But then I could really start, and I suppose that's when I started to actually think, oh, I'm going to craft these, like, try. I mean, I'd never written, like, a full song. I'd always written bits and pieces. So, but, um, yeah, and so that song became um, as much a, a, a song about feeling that way and feeling kind of trapped, but at the same time, like, very empowering. And I think that that's a theme that um, has has continued to flow through my work. I I. I talk about it in a way that's um equal parts hopefulness and hopelessness and what that is on the cusp of when you're changing I suppose and growing nice yeah I think everyone kind of really hopes that you know all all it's going to take is some horrific breakup to just bring out the songs that are inside them but I mean did you have kind of like a long period of musical constipation that preceded this outpouring like were you always sort of thinking that you would be making music at some point yeah I always I mean I always sang as a child um I think I always had you know a, a really good ear I would yeah as a as a child like I learned all the you know um harmonies the destiny's child and all of that stuff and and so and I really enjoyed it I think that was the thing was that like it made me feel good I liked the sound of my voice and what that felt like to sing um and so I think that's important um when you're kind of like learning to sing I suppose Mm. um and yeah so I had always just written bits and pieces but then it wasn't after that around that time of broken chess was that when I that was when I got management and and um they were super supportive because I didn't really have anything out but they my managers, Kathy and Lucy, um, yeah, they really supported me from the very beginning, and and that's been amazing to have that. So it's been it's been kind of a long journey to get to well, long and short, but like to get to to get to this point, I suppose. But um, it's cool to look back and kind of go, oh yeah, that's that's um, that's the journey. We're gonna play a track by Emily King in a second and be back on Out of the Box FBI ninety four point five. I'm here with Zinzio Kenyo.
Beautiful stuff from Emily King on Out of the Box FBI 94.5, brought in by my guest today, Okenyo, and uh, Zinzi Okenyo, I should say. Okenyo is what she goes by as a musician, and Zinzi is what the kids know her as on Play School. And uh, so that that song by Emily King was pretty pretty feelsy. Mm. So what are your feels about that song? Why don't you want to bring it on? Yeah, um, well, you know, we're talking about kind of the genesis of why I started writing music and... Um, I just remember this EP, especially that song, but that EP seven, um, just being on constant repeat, and that I, I kind of, I kind of have that. It's interesting when I think back of um, music through my life, and and certain songs or or albums really completely transport me back to a feeling and a time and so yeah when I was thinking about um what to pick for today I I thought about how much I just had that on repeat and and I think it was you know you say feelsy but it's true like the way that she sings and and also that EP I think I mean I can't remember but I'm pretty sure it's about some kind of breakup and it's very um it's very vulnerable and obviously I was in that state of mind and and I think that that subconsciously kind of seeped in it was probably like a meditative thing for me whilst I was going through that time and um but also yeah like aided me in terms of um knowing what to write and and I suppose getting in a zone as as a writer. You're a total romantic. <laughs> I <sprung>. am. Yeah. <laughs> What's the most romantic thing you've ever done? Oh gosh, don't. <laughs> um, actually, it. I. I don't think I've ever done anything like. No, now I'm sprung. I'm a romantic, but what have I done? I'm not sure. <laughs> oh crap! She's a phony. I'm a phony. I'm a fake romantic. <laughs> but I love. Um, I love. I love cooking. I constantly cook for my girlfriend, so, um, I think that's pretty damn good. Nice. Yeah. That's good enough. Yeah. All right. So I think our next track is going to come from James Blake, and I feel like, you know, it makes sense that you just kind of... Because I feel like this particular song, let's not spoil it with the title, but um, is probably one of the sexiest songs that, like, FBI plays mm-hmm. <laughs> all the time. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So why did you why did you want to bring this particular song on? Um, well, this is a curious one. Uh, so I, one of my best friends uh, a couple of years ago, he was going through um, a hard time with his partner and he he texted me and he said, I just need to come to Sydney. And I said, yeah, sure. He's from Melbourne. And um, and, and and so he came over and, and, you know, he was really upset and I didn't really know what to do. And so I, at the, I think at the time this song had just come out and so I thought, oh, I'll just play him a song that I like. And so we sat and, and listened and, and that was nice. And for me it was just, you know, me hanging out with my friends and just trying to support him um but then yeah like a, a, a year later he said to me that that was one of the he'll never forget because that was one of the most generous things that anyone had ever done for him just the 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 act of putting on that song and and you know you guys will hear it and and you know it and um and kind of what it um what kind of feeling it evokes and and I think for him I, I guess what I got from that was that he it's just this thing that music is can be so powerful in ways that you don't expect and I think for him that was probably like the best healing that could have been done instead of talking through things or mm. just being able to sit and feel and and listen in a in a different way in a, in a quiet way in a non in a non-talkative way and um and yeah I just made me think about just the power of music and and a lot of it you can't explain you can't intellectualize it and I think it's so um yeah that's what's so powerful about music Oh, you 
everybody else We're alone now Always So show me why you're strong Ignore everybody else We're alone now Suddenly I'm hidden It's the darkness of the dawn And your friends are gone Friends won't come, so show me where you fit. So show me where you fit. Away. So show me why you're strong. Ignore everybody else. We're alone You're listening to FBI 94.5.
give it, bring it, give it, bring it. <laughs> I just, just goes on. I just love the fact that a uh, a play school presenter just bought on that fat track. <laughs> like, there's something about that that is <laughs> highly amusing to me. Yeah. So, who do we just hear? Um, we just heard Double Duchess, uh, and they are a duo um, from America somewhere. And um, I saw them at a party during Mardi Gras um, perform, and they were amazing um, Vogue dancers. And yeah, I just thought it was so. Actually, the, the how I come I came across that song when I was doing a play for Sydney Theatre Company called um, uh, Oh my gosh, I've gone blank on it. Um, Boys will be boys, far out. Oh, yeah, yes. boys will be boys, and and we were all. It was an all female cast, and we were playing uh, men, and the majority of us were playing men, and and we try. We had to find um, we had to find songs for that, and uh, yeah, I came across that song, and it's just um, yeah. I, I think it's when I saw when I saw them perform the the main guy is this like pretty like buff masculine african-american man um and he was wearing this kind of like prairie style dress and it was just like just the best image (laughs) and i just was like it's it's so cool these days like that there's just so much of that starting to seep into i mean of course it's been around um but um, hasn't been you know publicly condoned or even held held up as being good yeah held up as being good or yeah something that you might aspire to and Mm. and of course like for a lot of people that is something that they would want to look like and aspire to and like what an amazing thing to aspire to and yeah so it's just really cool that a lot of those conversations are starting to happen more regularly and be more accepted yeah yeah and I think even just you know just through doing the show over the past couple of years like I've learned so much about gender fluidity mm. and ge- like sexuality fluidity and all of this kind of stuff that has never ever been on my radar before and I don't know whether it's the times we're living in and the fact that we're living in Sydney and that we're yeah. kind of in like a a cool location for that kind of lifestyle yeah you know and you know but yeah, do you think that it's just because we live in Sydney and we're just incredibly privileged to be in a place where we can kind of be whoever we want without having too much of an imposition of other people's opinions? I think definitely that's part of it. I mean, often I think like, wow, the world is so progressive and like this is amazing. And then I realise that, you know, we are minority um, and especially in the arts community, we're so, you know, accepting. Um, But I do think that it's amazing that, you know, in mainstream media, so much more of these conversations of like gender and sexuality and um, yeah, that uh, and and feminism and 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 all all of that stuff is actually becoming a regular conversation and it's great because it's forcing the people who don't talk about it or um, don't understand it to talk about it and understand it. Yeah, and it's kind of become to the stage where, like, you know, back in the day we'd never really talk about you know, by back in the day, I honestly mean like 10 years ago. Yeah. We would, would never talk about like there's a problem with this show or this music festival or this gig not being like gender diverse or sexuality diverse or that we're seeing like, you know, you're not different races or anything like that. But you know who was ahead of the, who was ahead of the curve with all of this stuff? Who? Play School. Uh-huh. Play School has always been like a fairly diverse cast yeah. in, in TV for the past, what, 50 years? Yeah, it's the 50th anniversary this year. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, definitely. I, yeah, I think that it's probably the, the most diverse show on Australian TV, which is awesome and also a little bit frustrating. <laughs> um, but, yeah, it's amazing. Like every time I do, um, you know, a sh- a one of the episodes with Luke Carroll, who's an Indigenous man, and um, or Jay Lagaya, and um, I just am like, oh, this is awesome awesome like we're both brown this is so cool and um and actually I was doing another interview the other day and someone was saying that um that they had um a a niece who was I think around like 12 or something and she'd seen a film clip of mine or whatever and and she's African Australian and she was like oh wow like she looks like me and I started to really think about that that we don't you know I didn't have anyone that looked like me um and and I wasn't necessarily like um, really feminine or anything growing up and that's always like people always confuse me as a boy when I was younger and I really didn't like it because I always felt like a girl and and all of that stuff and and so you, I really think it's important like you need these people that you of different kinds of faces in different backgrounds um, so so you can kind of see yourself and I think Play School does that in a really great way especially because the show has really maintained its integrity in terms of it hasn't moved with the times like it's still pretty dad but in the best way yeah, like yeah. it's still toilet rolls crepe paper like oh the- my god do they still have the windows do they still have like the arch window because yeah one of the- my favorite I was yeah, like that, me too. that shit is so rare I know, you so- never see arch I windows 
<laughs> I know. I always wanted to go through the arch window. Um, but it's true. I think on my first day recording, I got to record because you record the voiceover for the windows once and then they just put it on when they need to. But, yeah, I was really tripping out. I was like, wow, this is so, like, what, these immortal words. <laughs> Which window will it be today? <laughs> yeah, that's so cool. Like, I, I don't know if we got like good enough internet in here, but I kind of want to play like a little bit of you on on the show. <laughs> it wasn't long before Bobby saw a mysterious planet. He decided to land and investigate. Landed. Hello, anybody there? <gasps> Boing, boing. Oh, hello. I'm Gary Gogo. Welcome to Planet Boing, boing. Who are you and what do you do? Boing, boing. Oh, hello. My name's Bobby. I'm an astronaut from Planet Earth. Oh. Nice to meet you. Nice to meet you. Does everybody go boing here? Oh, boing, boing. Yes, we do. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, everybody goes boing. So that, that's a planet boing boing. You went to many different planets that day. You went to a planet where everything was really slow and you had to suddenly slow down. Oh, that's right. Yeah. I did. Yeah, I'm just, it's, I'm, it's all coming back to me now. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, and then I also, in that episode, I only really like looked at one episode this morning. I was mm. kind of like, wow, this is actually like a much more diverse representation of Australia than I've seen anywhere else. You know, they had, you made a caravan and you put on little wheels and then you went going around and it was, uh, it was Nana. With yep. uh, with Suki, little Suki, oh, that's and right. they live in Kubapedi, or you know, yep. they, they live in a mining town. And then you actually like one of the one of the segments was you know actually in Kubapedi, and these people like this family, this kind of I think they're like an islander family, live underground because it's too hot there, and this everyone lives in kind of like tunnels and yeah it's so great the the window segments are always really amazing like different types of families and and yeah really diverse and also I love the way that they write Jemima is so amazing because they always make her like she's not kind of I mean obviously it's fine to be feminine and girly but I think in this sense it's really great she's not she's not um She's never meek. She's always the one, like, getting forward. She's, like, doing adventures. She's a boss. She's a boss, pretty Jemima's much. A boss. Yeah. Oh, yeah. man. Are, the, are they, like, OG kind of Humpty Dumpty and OG Jemima? Yes. Or are they, are they new? Like, have they been reinvented? Yeah, so the ones that we use in the studio and that you see on the episodes are the OG. <gasps> so they're 50 years cool. old. I was looking at um, Diddle the Cat the other day and they had this, like, stitches coming out and it's, like, <laughs> really amazing. Yeah, really amazing. So there, there are copies so, you know, kids can meet them and whatever. And I did a show called Big Ted's Big Adventures so we, we were travelling all around Australia so that was not the original because we were, like, near hippos and things like that and... <laughs> and so, um, yeah. They so, might be like the most expensive props in Australia. Yeah. You know? So it, that's why everyone kind of, you have to treat them really well and everyone kind of like really respects those toys, which is <laughs> hilarious and also beautiful. Very beautiful. It's fantastic. Mm. And it's like just from that little video that we played before, that little clip there, like, I mean, that, that just kind of took me back so much. Mm. As much as like I haven't seen that episode, it is exactly the same kind of format and tone. Yeah. And have you seen Playground politics yet? No, I haven't seen it. Okay, so basically yeah. a comedian, Sammy J, goes through and like there was they made a, a immigration detention centre the other day and they were like, oh, use pipe cleaners or if you're missing these, you can use shards of broken glass. It's Amazing. Like, oh, I'll put this, this roof on. Oh, it's not really working. Well, I guess you don't really need protection. Um, so good. Yeah, like it's, it's bleak and amazing. But I mean, do you guys know about it? What do you think about this idea that there's kind of like a basically like a really political parody of play school? I think it's great. I mean, I think it's really great. Um, uh, yeah, I, I've actually, I've seen people posting it on Facebook, but I haven't ever clicked on it yet, but I can see aesthetic-wise that it's very similar to Play School. And no, I mean, I think it's great. Like the ABC is a very, obviously it's an extraordinary company and they make amazing work. And, um, and, and there are, you know, I think even within the scripts, um, obviously you can't, you know, push agendas really on, on play school apart from, you know, being an educator for preschoolers in a very serious way. So, but, but within the scripts, there are definitely like winks and nods and things that the, that the, uh, <laughs> the writers put in. Yeah, totally. And that the in parents get like, yeah, totally. <laughs> oh, that's yeah. so good. Yeah. So do you guys, do you guys hold it together or do you have to do several takes? No, we, yeah, we do hold it together. It's this funny thing where, yeah, like I was saying, like there's such a reverence towards the toys and the show and and um, everyone kind of knows that it's so important but yeah there are moments where you go oh that's a bit getting getting close actually like once I once I was doing you had to do like as a kid did you ever do um 
do you ever do like leaf prints where oh, you yeah, do yeah. crayon or something over the thing? Anyway, we were doing that and um, yeah, just I did it with like this pink, pink um, crayon over this like leaf and it just looked so much like a vagina. And I was like, <laughs> uh, when we stopped shooting, I was like, does everyone think? And everyone just kind of went, mm-hmm. And then we just like, just like left it. Like, let's not talk about it. It's like, oh, what did I find in the garden? So like the, the parents at home would have been like, man, that is some really highly polished innuendo. I can't believe they thought of that. Yeah, totally. Yeah, very clever writing. Actually, have you ever had anything that you kind of like, you know, you, you did a, a, a bit for, um, for play school and then you couldn't use it? Like something that kind of just went wrong? Um, yeah, no, um, nothing that went wrong in the end, but, um, but, you know, we've had some funny stuff with, um, there's been a couple of animals on the show and, um, and we had this, uh, miniature horse on once and, um, which was just strange because I was like, you are a horse, but you (laughs) should not be that size. You're a tiny horse. Yeah, you are tiny. Anyway, and it was just, you know, in this, in this big studio and, and the woman who was the horse breeder, um, was just like never meant to be on TV. She was lovely, but just so awkward. And so, you know, I'd be like, you know, the show would start and I'd be like, um, you know, hi, I'm Zinzi and this is Carmen. She'd be like, hello. (laughs) Maybe she's trying to be like, hello, children. Hello, children. (laughs) Yeah. Okay. Keep the smiles up, Carmen. No, but, um, and then, um, but, and then, yeah, the, the horse just kept pooing. So it was pretty okay. Uh, we just can't actually keep that. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, that's educational too. I mean, you know, well, totally. you just do an episode on the digestive system of horses. Well, totally. And that's the cool thing about play school. Like stuff goes wrong all the time and you just have to solve it because mm. that's what happens at home. Yeah. Do you do you ever watch your shows back and kind of like critique them? Um, yeah, I haven't. When I first started, I used to watch it a lot. I haven't watched it in, in ages. But actually the other day I watched an episode just to kind of check in. I was like, oh, yeah, you're all right still. <laughs> Keep going, Cindy. <laughs> Good on you. All yeah. right, well, let's play a track. We'll take one from El Fresh the Lion featuring Remy. And we've got Hold Up. So tell me a bit about this song. Um, this is a song that I'm just obsessed with and every time he plays it on tour, I'm just always out the front. Um, this is, you know, you'll hear it, but um, listen listen deep into the lyrics because uh, it's just about um, having ethnic hair and people wanting to touch it. <laughs> So not a coded message. <laughs> no, it's just like, don't touch it. Yo, what's going on, man? Yo, Ram. You just killed your set, man. That was so mean. Ah, thank you, brother. Man. Hey, man, you won't believe what just happened, man. You remember how we talking about, man, some of the things people say at these shows. Oh, just yeah. some ignorant shit no, happened I'm again. I will, but please enlighten me. Oh, please. man, it was like... Yo, L, can we touch your beard? Ah, oh, hell nah, man, don't get near. Cigarette stained hands and a breath for the beer. Mm-hmm. You'd be lucky to get a handshake around here. I be windscreen wiping people after the show. Yeah. Trying to have some conversations with some fans, you know. Hello. Last thing I need is people touching my face when the show's ended. And when I say no, they get all offended. Yeah, what's with that? I can't understand it. There's asking respectfully and there's those who demand it. You don't own me. You never will put your ignorance on ice, man. You better chill. I ain't here to be laughed at. I ain't here to be degraded. My personal space isn't an issue up for debate. My beard ain't a hipster trend, but when I'm done explaining, this chick comes by and asks. That's a nice beard. Can I braid it? Hold up, hold up, hold up, hold up, hold up, hold up, hold up. And so I tell him, hold up, hold up, hold up, hold up, hold up, hold up, hold up. So won't you tell him, hold up, hold up, hold up, hold up, hold up, hold up. Hold up, and so we say, hold up, I hold up, hold up, I hold up, hold up, hold up. Let me tell you like this. All right, all right. The show's done, I'm chillin', smoking reefer. Yeah. White girl named Tiny come up kissing my chick, saying oh, she really oh. liked the way that I freaked her. Freaked the what? Freaked the mic with many styles. Now she want me to smile in one of her Fuji Polaroid pictures. Right. It's all going so well. That's yeah. a bit of farewell when she grabbed one of her friends, Alicia, saying, Oh my God, he looks so much like Wiz Khalifa. No. What? Go. Tell me you're on drugs. Tell me your vision's impaired. Or you were dropped on the side of your head as an infant by your drunk mom. No, you right. think we all look alike, but that's one dumb statement. Now she's saying my flat top looks amazing oh, Want no to play way. with it like a villa in cages Damn. I said, well I want a Ferrari But that's not gonna take place yeah. during our lifetime, ladies Neither is you touching my noggin like cradies uh-uh. It's degrading and mildly racist that's But right. I know you have no idea So I politely say to you so. Your behavior's not okay Just hold up, hold up, hold up, hold up, hold up, hold up and so I tell him, hold up, I hold up, hold up, I hold up, hold up, hold up, hold up. So won't you tell him, hold up, hold up, 
hold up, I hold up, hold up, hold up, hold up. And so we say, hold up, I hold up, hold up, I hold up, hold up, hold up. Man, this shit people be saying at gigs. Yo, that's some of the stupidest shit. After a few drinks, I'ma get to ignorant quick. And I gotta lie, cause if not, it's screw with my head. Now the show's wrapped up, I pick my backpack up. Thinking to myself, there's no more cats around to act up. But as I'm leaving with the band, considering we're all finished, I hear, Hey, that's a nice bag, I hope there's no bombs in it. Oh, <laughs> bleak. Yeah, that's a true story too. Really? Yeah. Whoa. Yeah, I know. Yeah, it's really, um, I just love this song. As when, I, when I was doing the show at um, Howler, um, the first show of the tour, um, my sisters came and when that came on, they were just like, preach. And um, it's just, it's one, there's so many things. It was like, one, it's so cool because like to hear it from a male perspective as well, mm-hmm. because for me, it's always about kind of, yeah, female perspective and, you know, being a woman and having an Afro and how you deal with that. Like literally people that you don't know touching it. And Well, yeah, I think it's also like the, the feminine aspect of it is like people feeling entitled to your body and having an opinion on totally. it. Totally. Like, yeah. yeah. And so it's really really cool to hear that from a male perspective as well like to hear Fresh's Fresh's um you know incidents with his beard and and um so and and the song's so great because I always think it sounds a little bit like um um Fresh Prince of Bel-Air like the kind of the feel so you got this like kind of like really smiley thing but actually really happy swag really happy happy yeah (laughs) but like not happy at all but no this is what I love about El Fresh is that he's um he's you know he's quintessentially Australian his his view I mean he's an Australian guy but it's it's so you know to have this like Punjabi perspective is so new to Australian hip hop in mm. in quotations and and um, it's just beautiful like he's a very spiritual man very um very peaceful and and also just totally hilarious and it's just this great there's a, there's a bit in the there's a bit in the show where um he gets everyone to sing uh like in Punjabi and he's like you That's know so cool. you what are all singing? yeah um uh, it's this um so there's this hype word um bole which is like what people when people get hyped at a party or whatever it's yeah. like you know like yeah what's up or whatever like, and uh, yeah let's go yeah exactly and it's just amazing like being in Queensland you got all these surfy dudes up the front being like bolly bolly <laughs> it's just great because I'm like yeah imagine if we had more of this like in you know more kind of integration it'd be great that's awesome yeah actually I was gonna I was gonna bring up where mm. you grew up because you you grew up in a predominantly Aboriginal couple of communities didn't you yeah so yeah. my mum is a English as a second language teacher and um she teaches in, um adult education and and so we grew up, um, I'm the youngest of four, and um, grew up in a couple of, uh, w- one place, um, Armata, on the border of um, South Australia and Northern Territory, when I was about four or five years old, and then um, lived in Queensland for a bit, and then um, moved back to the middle of the Tanami Desert in the Northern Territory in a place called La Germanu with about 700 people. Oh, that's the, the town of Raining Fish. Oh, yeah. Okay. I I actually looked up that town. Raining when I found fish. Out that, yeah. Yeah. No. Let me let me read. Fill me in from uh, Wikipedia. <laughs> okay. In February 2010, hundreds of live spangled perch rained down upon the town on two successive days. Spangled. A tornado is believed to have sucked up the fish, which were then frozen at high altitudes and thawed as they fell which might have been hundreds of kilometres from their origin. Oh, my god! Someone was praying for food. Like, I wow. Know what's going on I was not there when that happened. Yeah, I think it was, yeah, it was 2010s. Was. Yeah. But I just thought it would be kind of like wow. maybe minutely on your radar. It's like, oh, yeah, my town. Yeah, my town. Fish raining. Yeah. yeah. Um, no, I didn't know that. So that's, that's <laughs> you learn something new every day. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, so it was really unique living in places like that. Um, and they had they were mostly speaking, um, what's, the, what's the language that they speak? Pichijinjara. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, yeah. So, well, there was, so, you know, a lot of the teachers were white and so there was kind of like white families and it was an interesting thing actually, like not being indigenous, but being brown and, 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 but also being like really white, like growing up, I've always kind of felt pretty Anglo and it's only kind of recently that I'm discovering more kind of about my heritage and blackness and things like that. And, um, but yeah, it's like, you know, when I was, when I was, the 12, 13, living in La Germanu, like it wasn't necessarily where I think I wanted to be because we had moved schools a lot and, um, and you know, it's kind of like a prepubescent and things like that and you kind of just want to be around your friends and not in the middle of the desert. But when I think about it, like 
actually living, growing up in places like that, um, it's just so unique. And I think that it's something that a lot of, um, you know, non-Indigenous Australians um, uh, just don't know what it's like to live out in those places. And, yeah, and I've never been to a remote Aboriginal community in my life. Yeah, and mm. I think it's really important to understand, like, excuse me, <clears throat> the the good... See, to see like both sides of the story and once you're there you realize how complex it is that you just can't say like well this should happen or that person's wrong or whatever that it's like really really complex and there's also so much beautiful stuff about the culture and the language and also the landscape that to me is just so unique to Australia and that everyone can everyone can benefit from understanding what that land is. Mm. So did you grow up learning a lot about culture and traditional ways and stuff? Um, yeah, I did in, in terms of, you know, we'd go out bush and, like, go hunting and um, and cooking in the bush and things like that. I remember tasting um, <laughs> witchetty grubs for the first time and being like, no, I was really fussy eater when I was younger and being like, no, I don't want to eat it because it just looks like a worm. You're just like, no. And, um, and no, 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 no. And then, like, as soon as I ate it, I was like, okay, where's more <laughs> it tasted like scrambled eggs I was like this is so good and then there was like only one and then I cried so yeah <laughs> that's great yeah <laughs> so yeah. What, what other things did you learn about you know the culture out there and particularly La Germanu, that you liked that you you know maybe we wouldn't know about in Sydney City yeah I mean I think it's the thing of just like you know the differences between growing up in a city and then growing up you know in nature essentially and and you know so many uh, like for, for me I think it was just the way that I was brought up anyway, but I suppose living in places like that was, um, you know, really like, accentuated my um, my tendency to, you know, want to be with nature and to be kind of free and, you know, like you just barefoot all the time and like running around. And... What about school? Like how do you go to school there? Yeah, so um, my, my sisters and brother, they did School of the Air, which is by radio. Um, and so I think that was like connecting to Alice Springs or something like that. And so do they kind of have like, you know, lunch and recess programmed into the day of Yeah, so radio? you'd have to, they would do it. I remember them doing it at home and they would have, I mean, a lot of the levels were like built in together. So they're all around a similar age, but a lot older than me. So I think they kind of, yeah, they would all like go in on air and then maybe, I don't know how it worked, but kind of do... Because, of course, there there weren't heaps of children doing it. Mm. Um, but so, yeah, they did that. You just, like, talk to your teachers via radio. Um, but then also, like, I just didn't do school for a few years, um, which was, you know, my mum's pretty cool. Like, I think she just saw that, you know, spending spending a couple of years, like, out bush and learning how to just be in the land is more um, – can be more beneficial than probably what you're going to learn in, like, year five, six. I mean, I don't know what you – What's it like? Sounds it. Yeah. yeah, I mean, I don't know what's like really pertinent in those years, like apart from just regular maths and things like that. Totally, totally. Yeah. Basically, it's just like um, daycare with you know, just more emphasis put on it. Yeah, totally. <laughs> the academic, like writing. If you can read it, if you can read at that age, then you don't really need to go to school. To yeah, and I was if you, already if you're curious already. Yeah, I was already curious, already an avid reader and imaginative and things like that. And my brother and I would just kind of make our own fun. We made like a local newspaper and okay. What did yeah. you have in the newspaper? <laughs> um, just like stories about the teachers. We would just make up, so everything was untrue. And um, we would post like um, uh, you know, there's like strange um Japanese inventions, like you know, easy ways to get toilet paper or something like a toilet paper hat or something like that <laughs> so you could just sit on the toilet and like have you know your hands free I don't know what but um yeah and so we would just post like funny um adverts like that and they like pretend to sell them and yeah it was pretty fun and That's we'd just so go good. looking through the tip and it was pretty very very free hmm. yeah so we're gonna put on our next song in a second I think this is actually taking us to the top of the hour as well so we've got a bit of Missy Elliott in the hour yeah which is, we could not go without um so which song do we have we have Gossip Folks <laughs> And yeah. um, so why do you want to bring this song on? Where, where does it kind of sit for you in your memory? Um, so, yeah, for me, there's a couple of things. Like, I've always been obsessed with Missy Elliott. Missy Elliott um, it was probably the first I, I found Super Duper Fly in my in my sister's CD collection, and I was just like, whoa, what is this? It just Her voice was just so powerful and, like, female and strong. 
and um, things that I couldn't articulate then but just really had an impact on me. And um, she's just she's an amazing lyricist and I really like her sense of humour as well. So, um, yeah, it's it's it, she's always kind of been with me and, um, and I – when I went to – the thing that sticks out for me with this song is like when I went to New York, um, I, I was there in, on an exchange um, by myself when I was about 16 and I just remember walking through the streets of New York at night and listening to her and in my headphones and my CD – CD Discman and um, just being like oh my gosh I feel so free and independent and it was really an important moment like I think a changing moment for me to kind of feel like oh like the world is big and like and I can kind of be big and and um, yeah so um, yeah she's always been this kind of special part of my life. And that's a very Missy Elliott kind of epiphany to have. Yeah. <laughs> I can be big. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome. All right. You have been listening to Out of the Box with me, Ash Bertabez, and Zinzi Okenyo has been my guest today. Thank you so much. I really enjoyed it. Thank you for having me. Bye. Yo, yo. Wait, we got Missy Elliott. You coming through here. That is Missy Elliott. She knows a lot of people. I heard she eat one crap a day. Oh, girl, what I heard, the bitch was heard that Tim has started fucking with Trina. What I heard, the bitch got hit by three zebras and a monkey. I can't stand a bitch nowhere. When I walk up in the peach, I ain't got any speed. I'm a bad man, my jumper got baby, motherfucker, you ain't got it like me. How you stunning these hoes? Need to talk what you know. And stop talking about who I'm sticking and licking, just mad at ain't chose. I know y'all pull, y'all pull. Y'all job just hanging up close. Step to me, get burnt like toast. Motherfuckers out of your some egos. Gave a shit. No one he could rap, no one lit the hand. So he went about his business and devised the plan. Made a CD, then he hit the block. 50,000 sold, seven dollars a pop. Oh, the foe, uh, three years later. Stepped out the swamp with ten and a half meters. Now all around the world on the microphone. He leave the booth smelling like Burberry cologne. Still riding chrome. Got bitches in the kitchen, never home alone. And he's on the grind. Please let me know if he's on your mind. And respect to Kimmy. Notice Chris, I look loud like Kimmy.